Hey folks, welcome to the Georgia Field Hunting Podcast, episode 65. I'm your host, Brian Grossman, here with co-host Robert Nelson. And man, it is that time. It is the one of my favorite times of the year, if not the my favorite time of year. And that's, uh, you know, we're just a couple days out from the Georgia archery deer season. So I'm pumped about that. I know Robert's pumped about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got, and I'm, I'm pumped. We got a couple of really good episodes coming up for you here soon that, that we'll talk a little bit about here in a second. But tonight, uh, it's just going to be Robert and I, and we're, we're just going to do just a, a quick, a quick podcast here on some ideas or, or our tips for finding success during the early season. And we'll talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what each of us uh, consider the early season. And again, just go over some ideas that we have on ways you might be able to uh, score early on your, on your buck, maybe fill a buck tag here pretty quick. So, um, and we're, we're certainly hoping to do so. So, (laughs) and maybe we can provide some advice that'll help you guys as well. But uh, yeah, I I am really excited about the next couple podcasts beyond this one. Uh, On the next one, we're going to have, as long as everything works out, uh, we're going to have Charlie Killmaster, which uh, is Georgia's deer biologist, main deer biologist. And uh, we're going to be talking with him just uh, about a broad scope of topics, really deer related here in Georgia. Uh, in fact, we haven't even nailed it all down yet, but we're we're taking questions from you guys, the listeners. Uh, you can head over to our Facebook page, um, may try to post something on, on uh, our Instagram as well, but uh, just asking for any any kind of questions that you guys would like us to ask Charlie related to deer hunting in Georgia. Now, don't don't get too far off topic. We, we've had some great questions already, uh, but we've also had some that are, are really outside the scope of what Charlie is in control of. So, you know, keep in mind this is uh, this is just deer focused. What you know, deer biology type stuff. Um, obviously. Uh, Charlie don't set the regulations. He he's not in charge of marketing. Has nothing to do with turkey hunting or <laughs> or bear hunting or any of that stuff. So just uh, keep it focused on deer hunting here in Georgia. But but we're excited about that one to get him back on. He's always a uh, really popular guest. Always gets a lot of listens and a lot of good feedback. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that one. And then beyond that, uh, we have another one scheduled. Which again, this is as long as everything works out. Nobody cancels on us or anything. But uh, we're going to be talking to a guy, uh, another deer biologist, but one who's done some research here in the South on deer movement. And particularly what we're going to be talking to him about are how deer react to hunting pressure, uh, how bucks react to hunting pressure. Um, you know, do they, if you get in there and, and bump a deer around, do they, you know, do they leave the country or uh, how quickly, you know, we'll, we'll bump in a deer one time, run them off. Uh, how soon will they come back, if at all? I mean, all that kind of stuff he looked at through GPS collar uh, research on deer, and we're going to be talking to him, and that's one I'm really looking forward to, uh, picking his brain and just seeing what all he was able to uh, to find out on his study. And so, and you're certainly welcome if you guys have some questions about that. Uh, you can you can post that on our some of our social media as well. Uh, shoot us a message, however you want to do that. And uh, we're always open to, to that kind of stuff. But I guess with that, Robert, uh, like I said, we're, well, for me and you, as we're recording this, we're, what, three days out? Uh, yeah. Yep. Are three. you ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Uh, I need to shoot the bow a little more, but I'm, I've shot enough now. I feel comfortable. Um, you know, it's 
shooting a bow, you know, you have to practice, but it's like riding a bike, man. You swing some errors and, um, you know, you get right back in the groove of things. And um, so I need to shoot a little more, but I feel pretty confident if I need to make a shot, I'm well prepared to do so. Um, getting some last touches um, finished up on my setup where um, with Greg, we, if you listen to last week's episode with Greg Godfrey from Tethered, he was talking about how he packs his stuff in and um, Brian kind of took that idea. And then I kind of took that idea off of Brian after he sent me some pictures and talked about how he had his setup and actually showed me because we met up the other day to, um, I was meeting him to get some gear from him and dropping some off for another guy that Brian could give to. And you had your setup with you in the car, you brought it with you. And so um, definitely liking that, you know, it's more compact than my big frame pack doesn't weigh as much, a lot smaller, and uh, still holds all my stuff. So finishing up some touches on that with the camera arm and all that. But yeah, man, I'm I'm as ready as I'll ever be. What about you? Yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty pretty good about things now. Um actually as you were talking, it hit me I gotta replace the blades on my broadheads. I've I've been shooting, you know, just the blades from last year. And I already had some replacement blades ready to go. So I'll be swapping those out, make sure I have good sharp blades on my my uh, Magnus broadheads. Um, and speaking of Tethered, I do, before I get too far in, I, I want to mention that, hey, this episode is brought to you by Tethered, our good friends at Tethered, the makers of the uh, lightest and most advanced saddle hunting system out there. So, um, you know, really happy to have those guys on board. As, as Robert mentioned, uh, you know, we've been kind of working on, of course, this is Robert's second year in the in the uh, well third year maybe in a saddle second yeah. year yep. in the uh, the tethered saddle this is going to be my first but I've been uh, working out the the kinks on that I've I've had a good bit of time in the tree now and messed around with it but really it was uh, as Robert touched on there I've been kind of trying to figure out my my pack just how I'm going to pack everything in and uh, I, I ended up I had a backpack but it really wasn't set up to where I could strap stuff onto it and. Uh, just just couldn't make it work and then i had a big one like robert was talking about mine wasn't a mine's an internal frame pack uh, but i could make that work but i really didn't want to carry something that that big and bulky right um it just wasn't necessary now i'm going to keep it on hand like me and you talked about to where if i need to pack a deer out you know i can have it in the truck go back get it and use it for that but i found a really just a small compact backpack at, at walmart that had it was just covered in uh the molly straps where you can you know hang stuff on it and everything and so that's worked out perfect i can now as you've seen i can i can hang my my uh, platform pack right onto the backpack and hang my sticks on it and and everything it just it works out perfect you know i don't have a, a ton of stuff that i carry with me but you know i needed something i need some kind of pack there to to keep everything in and and so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It is, man, it's way more compact, of course, than the carrying a big climber on your back. <laughs> yeah. Lighter, I'm sure, because before I was carrying the climber and a backpack on the climber, you know, with all my stuff in it. So, uh, really looking forward to that. I know that first morning is probably going to be a, disaster. You know, a little <laughs> awkward. That first climb in the dark in a, in a new setup and stuff, it's, it's going to be different, no doubt. But, uh, I'm looking forward to to getting some seat time in it, and of course, just being in the deer woods, man, that's gonna that's gonna be uh, worth it as oh, it yeah. is. But 
but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about everything now. Kind of like I said, I got the pack situation worked out. That was kind of the last big thing. Um, I'm probably be shooting my bow a few more times as well. I haven't shot it and nearly as much going into this season as yeah, I typically I do. I haven't either. So don't feel bad. But, but I feel, you know, I still feel good about it. It's, it's dead on. Um, you know, I've shot enough to where I feel like I've kind of, uh, you know, kind of worked the kinks out and, and got back in my form, you know, to where I feel good about the shot execution and everything. Um, but I never, you know, never feel like you shoot enough, I guess. And unless you just, there's unless it's been one of the few years where I've just shot all year, shot indoor, you know, tournaments and that kind of stuff. But, uh, haven't been able to do that here in the last couple of years, but I, I still, like I said, I'm, I'm confident in my shot, confident in my gear. So just a matter of the deer cooperating at this point. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So what's your plans for, you got your plans locked in for opening weekend? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, it's pretty much going to be, it's funny. It, it's going to be a, just about a repeat of last year opening day. I'm, go, I'm going to the same spot that me and you hunted in the, that morning. Uh, and then of course the same spot I hunted and killed my buck in that evening. Uh, as, as we've talked about here on the, the podcast before, you know, I got, I, I'm pretty sure it's the same eight pointer that was coming in there last year that first, you know, attracted me to that spot that really the, the buck that I was targeting, not the one I ended up shooting, but um, getting him on camera again during daylight hours in that same spot. So I'm really looking forward to that evening hunt. The morning hunt's kind of a toss up. It's, it's back to where, you know, like I said, me and you didn't see anything there. I don't guess last year on opening day, but get a lot of pictures in there. had a lot of morning pictures last year and last time I checked, which it's been a, a month or so, but you know, I was getting daylight pictures in there. I didn't have a, a real good buck in there, but you know, I, I feel good about that area. So it's going to be more, I wouldn't want to go into a, well, unless I just had, if I had one, you know, showing up a great buck showing up all the time in the daylight, then yeah, but, or in the morning, but you know, really, just going in this first time and I know I'm going to be, there's going to be some fumbling around and, and just trying <laughs> to get situated. So I'm not worried about being in a premium spot. I'll just uh, work the kinks out there in a, in there a spot go. where I think I have a, I still, you know, I think I have a chance to see, see some deer and potentially a good buck in there. Um, that's one of those spots that seem to just get better and better closer to the rut you got, but uh, there, there's definitely some good bucks in that area. So oh, yeah. you never know. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I guess I got it lined up, uh, I guess, for at least opening day. Sunday, I haven't really stretched yeah. out that far uh, yet. Sunday but. always depends on what happens on Saturday. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> if I happen to shoot a great buck Saturday afternoon or a buck in general, I'll probably take Sunday and sleep in because I'm sure by the time I get it out of the woods and all that, it would be real late. Like last the last year on opening day, you shot that buck, and then I think we finally got done. It was like 2 a.m. <laughs> You know, so, uh, but yeah, so I got two guys that are coming over that I went to college with and actually worked with in college. I ran into them back in turkey season at a WMA that um, I do a bunch of hunting at. And they, uh, they were actually scouting for deer and I was turkey hunting and ran into them. And it was just about a chance I was coming off the, off the water um, with my kayak, had been chasing these birds, using my kayak and I was loading it up in the truck and these dudes pull up and, you know, I'm like, like, who the heck are these guys? You know, cause they're like looking at me through the window and stuff and no idea who these guys are. And they get out of the truck and uh, I knew then when they stepped out of the truck, I knew who it was instantly. 
And we, so we got to talking and um, I messaged one the other day and was like, hey, you know, y'all still planning on getting out opening weekend? And they were like, yeah, you know, are you going? And uh, they're uh, both listeners of the podcast. And so I we got to talking and I'm going to take one with me. I'm going to film him uh, Saturday morning to a spot that it's had a ton of deer in it. We'll see what happens. Um, and a small game and all that, what kind of pressure has been going on there, you know, could mess things up, I guess, but it's a pretty thick area and it's, uh, we've got this opening right there about 50, 60 yards, maybe, uh, this opening inside this huge thicket. So, um, hung a camera in there back in June and it's been just deer on it nonstop all summer long, um, does and no, no great bucks, no big bucks. I don't even think I've had a eight pointer or better in there, but you know, a lot of bucks in general, just smaller ones, um, which this particular guy that's sitting with me, he's never killed a deer with his bow. So, you know, when we're going in, I was like, Hey man, first one that comes in, if you want to shoot it, shoot it. Um, <laughs> there you go. You know, the choice is completely up to him, but Heck, never shooting one with your bow. I'd probably shoot the first thing that walked down. So, um, oh yeah, I guarantee. <laughs> so, hopefully that pans out. And then uh, the other guy that's coming with him, I'm gonna send him to a spot. I think I'm trying to decide. Um, there's two spots I have in mind for him. I haven't hunted either one of them. The one is in a big oak flat, real thick um, pines close by, and it's pretty thick in the oaks too. Inside the oak flat, like it's not just open pretty hardwoods it's pretty high stem count um swampy you know pretty thick yeah i may send them there i scouted it um back last summer ton of sign in there bunch of rubs and um, a lot of tracks on the on the road and i mean just you know a lot of deer sign in general so i think that could be a pretty good spot especially in the morning time maybe catch some deer feeding on some early dropping oaks or there's another spot that i think is an overlooked spot um, like I said, I haven't hunted it. I scouted it back in February and it's a section of pines, young pines that they burned back earlier in the year. So I know now I haven't been back over there, but I know there's a ton of green growth in there and it meets up to that same hardwood block of timber I'm talking about. It's just on the far side of it. So I think maybe if he was to set up on the transition of those oaks and those pines, he might have a pretty good chance at killing a deer. Um, either feeding on the browse or feeding on some potential acorns that could be dropping on the edge right there on the transition line. So yeah. I was thinking about that spot. I think that would be a pretty good one. The sign looked pretty good in there too. A lot of tracks, not as many rubs, but you know, it's a big, I pretty much scouted, excuse me, the big section of young pines. I really didn't go into the oaks on that side. So, um, but there was a bunch of tracks cutting through there and stuff. And like I said, there is oaks on the edge and all that green, fresh green growth from this spring and summer is in there. So it could be a pretty good spot. And then I know I'm making this long winded, but um, Sunday or Saturday afternoon, I'm going to, uh, I, I believe they're leaving after the morning hunt. If they're not, then we'll advise a plan for the afternoon for all three of us. Um, I'm completely fine with that, um, whether they stay, but I think they said they were leaving. So if they do leave, I'm going to throw my stuff on my back and I'm going to go in with my stuff on my back, probably pretty early and scout my way in. And I've got some persimmon trees located that are dropping um, a few select ones. So I'm probably going to scout around those and see, you know, if I can find maybe some fresh rubs or some tracks or, you know, where they've been under the trees, a lot of hogs in this area. So it's kind of 
this is tough to tell, you know, sometimes with the sign because their hogs are rooting up under the trees and stuff, of course. But um, plan on coming in on the where the wind's in my face, you know, so I'm not blowing it up and then just kind of scouting my way in until I find something that I think looks good and setting up on it. And uh, if I find some persimmon trees dropping on the edge, I may hunt those kind of just to hunt where I think I have a good chance of killing a deer based off that every tree's not dropping in there like it was last year. <laughs> and also kind of getting an observation sit in that may solidify my plans a little better on Sunday. Um, you know, granted, if I don't shoot a buck that first day. But so that's kind of what I got planned for this weekend, really. You know, my weekend will be made even if I don't kill anything. If, you know, one of the guys that I'm taking Saturday morning, they happen to shoot one because I believe both of them have never killed a deer with a bow. Um, I know the one guy hasn't. The other guy, I'm not sure, but I don't think he has. Um, so if either one of them can kill a deer, you know, that first morning, that would be awesome and pretty much make my weekend either way. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, and like I said, I'll be filming the one guy. And then I'll take my bow, too, because I, I do have a buck that lives kind of in the area we're going to be hunting. You know, that just depends where he moves. He could show up there, so I will have my bow. If he shows up, I will be the one slinging the stick. <laughs> um, but I, I'm going to tell the guy, you know, before we go in, hey, I got this one buck that I've been patterning and uh, scouting around if he shows up. If you wouldn't mind if I take a crack at him, I'd yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> Um, but you know, uh, any, any other deer besides him, um, you know, and as long as he agrees, which I'm sure he will. Um, but you know, any other deer, I'll be just holding the camera and filming it. So we'll see what happens though. You know, you never know. There you go. No, that's for sure. No, you, uh, man, you just make something I was going to say there where you're, oh, I know you're, you're talking about acorns and stuff. That's one thing uh, I did get out this past weekend and did some scouting on, on a different WMA, uh, me and, me and Mike Higman with the down South hunting podcast, got back out, checked the cameras we had out and, um, not, not real exciting. Most of the cameras weren't, uh, weren't, it wasn't a whole lot to get excited about on there. I did have one camera, uh, and some thick stuff that, that had at least four different bucks on there. It was kind of crazy. They, I don't know how I, I had to go back and look, but I had a whole bunch of pictures of these bucks, these four different bucks, but it was all within a, I don't know, 20 or 30 minute time frame of one day. So they were just in this little pocket walking around, you know, moving around back and forth in front of the camera for, for this one day. And then I didn't have any more pictures of them, but it's a big, thick area. It wasn't like I was on like a super defined trail or anything. So you know how it is. They could be passing. 20 yards either way and and i wouldn't be getting pictures of them so, right um you know i think i definitely think it's that's a good area but back to the acorn thing one thing we did we did find uh the scarlet oaks or just red oaks in general we we found several that are dropping already i found one that was definitely being hit you know you could see the the uh caps and stuff laying around bite marks in them droppings that kind of stuff they were definitely hitting select red oaks didn't find we we did see quite a few of the white oaks that that are holding acorns but didn't find any that had dropped yet on the white oaks i uh, found one water oak that was dropping uh pretty good but i didn't see a whole lot of sign under it but they're definitely hitting some of these early dropping red oaks at least you know where we're at in west central georgia i don't know how that that plays out 
you know, the southern half of the state or, or up in the North Georgia mountains, but just something to keep an eye out. They definitely seem to be dropping early. I don't know if that's from some of the previous storms and stuff we've had that have blown them out or if they're just falling early this year for whatever reason. But uh, I know this one in my yard is absolutely loaded with some giant <laughs> acorns. It's a northern red oak, but um, it's it's definitely uh, having a good year. Just something to keep in mind as we go into season, you're looking for food sources. I did find one lone persimmon tree out there that had like 12 persimmons on it. So <laughs> I don't know if uh, that's enough to be able to key in on and, and shoot a deer off of, but I'll definitely be keeping an eye out. They were still, most of them were still pretty green. There was a couple that had started turning, but they weren't uh, anywhere near dropping. It didn't look like on that particular tree. So I um, probably guarantee you when they start dropping, there'll be at least one deer under Oh, yeah. Yeah. You just have to be there at the right, <laughs> right. The right time. Yeah, not going to have long before they're all gobbled up. So, no, no, that's for sure. But I guess let's let's jump into uh, we're already 20 minutes in. Let's, <laughs> let's get into a little early season strategy, which I guess, you know, we've been touching on a little bit along the way there. But um, I'll just kind of let you kick things off with what kind of how you focus, what you focus on during the early season to find success what what kind of tips will you have for the listeners yeah i think one that i just touched on what i'm going to be doing this weekend you know is scouting um looking for the sign you know the feed sign obviously right now the deer and what i consider early season is from opener to about middle of october um i consider pretty much that whole time frame early season because when you start getting to middle october on you know the deer they're starting to get feisty you know depending now if you're on the coast um middle october could be the middle of the rut but right you right. know for most of our area you know they're they're starting to get kind of feisty then you know starting to get a lot of testosterone starting to move into that rut you know type phase around middle october so i could consider you know pretty much from the beginning till about then you know they're on a pretty strict bed to feed pattern um, you know, they will do some chasing and some fighting, you know, I've seen bucks fight in September. I mean, they will do it, but so scouting, trying to find that, that hottest feed sign, like we were talking about the oaks and the persimmons, you know, looking under those for tracks, droppings where the ground may be tore up, or if you can find a hot trail coming to one of them and looking for the sign, you know, rubs popping up where deer are shedding their velvet, especially this early. If you can find a hot section of rubs. You know, where maybe a buck went through there and took his velvet off, it's probably a pretty good chance he's spending a lot of time in that area. So being able to sit there and, you know, decipher that sign. If obviously if you find one rub, um, you know, it's a chance he's using that area a lot because he wanted to rub his his antlers and get that velvet off in that spot. He's probably coming through there a lot being on that strict bed to feed pattern. But if you're you know, especially if you find a cluster of them in an area where he maybe rubbed a bunch of trees trying to get his velvet off or maybe taking off some frustration, you know, he's already building up, then that could be a real good ticket as well that there may be a buck in there um, that's spending a lot of time in there. So that's probably my ultimate tip for the early season is just walk and scout, find the find the hot sign, find the hot feed sign under the feed trees and, you know, set up on it and just keep scouting because if you think you found the tree and you hunt it two times and you don't see a deer well it's probably not the tree so uh stay moving to find that that hot area where they want to be especially right now yeah now are you you typically hunting right on the feed sign or are you backtracking to cover or are you looking for 
feet sign near cover or yeah ultimately uh, near cover um is best like the area i'm hunting saturday it's a big thicket you know i mentioned some persimmons there's some oaks in there um so really the deer can bed really right on top of it um it's super thick you know and they can they can bed right close to the tree and you know not have to move very far if they don't want to um and i seen that play out last year i know we've talked we talked about it a talked about it a bunch but you know the the really big deer i had to encounter with he was bedded right in the middle of the food i mean right in the middle of it and he just stood up and you know he didn't have to travel very far and so yeah you know if i if i know where a buck's bedding then i may try to sneak in a little closer if he's got some distance between him and the closest you know good food source just to try to cut him off where he might be staging or you know he's pushing in a little closer to dark he's starting to come that way but if it's in a thicket, you know, I'll I'll gladly sit right up on it where I can shoot straight to it because I think, you know, if it's like I said, if it's in a thicket, they're not going to be bedded very far. So if you can get close to that tree where they just got to stand up and come, there's a high chance that they're going to stand up well before daylight and come to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's solid advice. Yeah. I guess for me, well, first off, yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with you as far as what I consider early season. There's really kind of two parts to it. Um, you got, I mean, a really early season, which I'd say is just like really the first week or two at the most of our deer season. And then, you know, you have that time from there into, like you said, probably mid October for, for those of us with the early November rut, but cause that, that, those first week or two, they're still, like you said, they're still in that summer pattern. They're still, in a lot of cases, they're still in bachelor groups or at least, you know, maybe a couple bucks running together. Uh, They're still on that more summer feed. And then, of course, as you get into the the second half of that, kind of more early October, still the the rut's not necessarily in play, but then you typically have that shift to, you know, acorns when when they really get to dropping and uh, the the testosterone levels start building. Those bucks start tolerating each other a little less than they were before, and and you get some some change up in in their patterns at that point. But really, I guess uh, some some things to keep in mind too. And you and you kind of touched on some of this. But for the for the early early season, you know these deer, the good thing is if you locate a deer, if you've been running cameras or whatever, and and you've located a good buck, chances are you know, he's somewhere within, or he's spending most of his time somewhere within, you know, a hundred acres or so of that. Uh, they have a very, uh, a fairly small core area during these summer months. And, you know, not all, some of them may be more than a hundred acres. Uh, some of them are considerably smaller than a hundred acres that they're spending. When I say core area, most, most guys define that, or most these deer biologists, researchers, define that as an area where a buck spends it or a deer spends at least 50% of their time. And so, you know, they're, they're not traveling a whole lot. They're, they're staying in a relatively small area most of the time, but on the flip side of that, which, which that's good as far as us, like I said, locating a buck, uh, kind of knowing where they are and probably where they're spending most of their time. But then the, the, the downside to that, it, which you touched on as well is they're not moving a whole lot. They don't have to, um, a lot of times they're in these areas, these thick areas where there's a lot of forage and, and this, a lot of this is pre acorn drop, but, uh, they don't have to move around a whole lot. You know, they, they can bed most of the day, get up that, you know, they might feed 
50 yards, 100 yards, and then bed back down for a while and, and just repeat that pattern throughout the day, uh, spending, spending their time in a, a relatively small area. So, man, it is critical early season that you get in tight on these deer. Um, they're, they're not going to be, or at least the, on a mature buck, they're not going to be, not going to be traveling a whole lot in long distances in most cases. And I don't want to make it too broad of a statement, but, uh, cause there's always exceptions to the rule, but, uh, you definitely want to get in as tight as possible. You want to locate these bucks, try to figure out where they're bedding, if at all possible. And of course, a lot of that, hopefully you, you've been doing throughout the, the uh, preseason, but that it, it's kind of key really to, to finding success. It was definitely key to uh, my success last year on opening day. If, if I hadn't have known pretty much where those bucks were bedded, uh, it, it would have probably not played out the way it did. Um, first of all, I probably would have bumped them coming in, but, uh, and, and I got tight within where I was pretty sure they were bedding, you know, slipped in there and, and got set up where I thought I could still catch them during daylight hours. And of course, you know, a lot of it was luck was just on my side that night, uh, which is always, you know, it, e- even when you do everything right, the, the deer still got to cooperate. So you still got to have, still got to have luck on your side. But uh, I, I kind of jotted down here some tips. It's actually, I just wrote an article for uh, the National Deer Association that'll be in the next issue of Quality Whitetails, uh, which is kind of related to this. It wasn't necessarily focused on early season, but it was just about, um, kind of focusing on the the small details of the hunt that often mean the difference between failure and success because really it, it's not that hard. And I think I think you would agree with me. I'll, I'll let you speak to it, but it's not that hard to find a good buck, you know, on these on these tracks of big tracks of public land. I mean, to just to locate a buck, you know, on your trail camera. Yeah, I agree. It, yeah, it, it's not that difficult uh, if you spend the time, but the 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 difficult part's killing him, yeah. and that, and that's where that's where all those details come into play because you know again you locate a deer you got a pretty good idea of of the relatively small area where he's living if you're getting consistent pictures of him then it's it all boils down to the details of the hunt and and the execution and I think that's where I know for years that's that's where I made a lot of my mistakes. Um, you know, I would find these deer, know where they were, but I, I couldn't capitalize because I was I was making some some well pretty big mistakes. But I, I wasn't focusing on on these details. And and what I'm talking about is first of all, and really, I guess I don't know. Probably shouldn't even bring this one up because at this point, season's honest. But min- I guess you could you could still use it going into the season. But minimizing intrusion into that area, you know, once you know where that deer is at and it, that he's using that, you really want to minimize any time spent in there other than when you're hunting. And you definitely want to make sure you're hunting smart because these deer, and this is what we're going to be talking to that researcher here in a couple of weeks on, on pressure. What, what you'll find out is those deer are going to, they react very quickly to hunting pressure, especially a mature buck. Uh, you know, he figures out real quick if, if you're in his turf uh, hunting him, and he's going to, you know, he ain't going to tolerate it for long at all. So, you know, keep, if you're running trail cameras, you know, the bucks in there, don't be, you know, my, my suggestion is don't be going in there, you know, every week, checking those cameras, see if he's still in there. Um, you know, check them when you're hunting and, and minimize the amount of time. Again, you're spending in that area. Uh, 
really work on or consider your entrance and your exit routes to these areas. Um, that's, that's a big one that I overlooked for years. You know, I'd have a spot in mind and I would just take the easiest way in, you know, the, the simplest way to get there. And a lot of times that may be, a you know, a well-defined trail or something, or at least that would get me part of the way there. And, uh, with no thought to whether I was walking, that deer was going to have to cross my scent coming in from where he was bedding, uh, whether my scent was blowing towards his bedding, you know, just a lot of factors there, or whether I was bumping them coming in or going out, you know, before daylight or after dark by the path I was taking. So I think that's key. Again, I've, I've told the story before, but, you know, I had to, last year, opening day, I had to walk a different way in than most people normally would because of where these deer were bedded. And uh, so, you, you know, pay attention to that. Think about, you know, where, you, where you're going, um, where the deer are, and whether or not you're going to impact them by, by the way you're, you're accessing your stand or even leaving your stand after dark. You know, if you sit there and you, you don't see the deer, you still got to play it smart coming back out if you're going to try to hunt that area consistently. Um, another one, and man, I know some of these sound so obvious, but uh, at the same time, I know a lot of hunters are, are ignoring them, or at least I did for years, and that was just man, minimizing your noise. Um, not only walking in, that was, and for years, you know, I just, again, hunting a spot, not only would I take the quickest route in, I just walk it, wouldn't pay any attention to how much noise I was making, you know, yep. as long as I didn't hear a deer run off, I thought, well, I made it in clean, you know, yep. <laughs> and the fact is a lot of times, you know, those deer, they may hold tight. You might walk right past them or at least within earshot of them and then never get up and run. But you can bet when they do get up that evening or whatever, they're going to head the other direction and, <laughs> and you'll never know the difference because you know, they didn't, you didn't physically bust them out of there, but just man, try to, you know, I've tried to start giving myself extra time in the mornings and going in earlier in the, in the afternoons where I can take my time, be quieter on my walk in. If I need to walk a longer way around, I can do that. Uh, and then, you know, just as well, once you're there to get set up, same thing, man, don't be, you know, banging your stand together, you know, hitting metal on metal or banging around on your, your climbing sticks, that kind of stuff that's going to alert a deer. Uh, again, you may never know that you bumped the deer, but if, you know, they hear that metallic noise or some noise that doesn't fit into their, their normal surroundings, um, you're probably not going to see that deer. So, right. um, and then I guess the, one of the last ones I would touch on, you know, you've heard, everybody knows the, play the wind. And for years, I guess I kind of thought I was playing the wind. You know, I would look at the forecast and go, okay, we got a west wind today. So I'd try to hunt where a west wind made sense, but I never really knew what the wind was actually doing. I didn't, I didn't carry any kind of wind indicator. Uh, didn't know about what, you know, what the thermals were doing. I, I just assume, okay, I got a west wind, so I'm good to, to sit in this spot. When I started carrying a wind indicator with me, Man, I found out real quick that the wind seldom does what the forecast that it's supposed to <laughs> yeah. do. Uh, unless you're hunting somewhere where it's just flat, you know, maybe uh, no terrain features. But uh, where I'm hunting, you know, the wind, man, it's it's crazy how often it's not doing what the forecast said. Just because of the way the terrain is and the thermals from the changing temperature, you know, the the warming in the morning, the cooling in the evening. So 
you know, and the only way you really you're going to know is to carry some type of wind indicator with you when you're out there. When I'm walking in, you know, I, I use milkweed, uh, but there's commercial commercially available stuff out there as well. But the, the and when I say milkweed, the, the silk stuff from a milkweed pod, uh, you hear a lot of guys talking about it online. Uh, so it seems to be a little harder to find here than it is in the Midwest, but it does grow here. I have found some, but that stuff works great. When you're walking in, you know, I'll, I'll release a little just to see which way the, the wind's blowing, which way it's carrying. And uh, then once I'm in the stand, same thing. Not only, you know, when I just get there, but throughout the hunt because winds change, you know, especially in the morning as it starts warming up, that wind's going to change if it, depending on the terrain. Same thing in the evening when it starts cooling off. So just pay attention to all that stuff. It's those little details, I think, that that often means the difference between, you know, killing a good buck and not killing a good buck. And it's just stuff that for years I, I overlooked or, you know, I knew knew a little bit about it, but I just wasn't really focused on trying to do everything right. And man, you you talking about hunting a, a mature buck, you only get one chance most of the time. Yeah. And if you make a mistake, you blow it, you know, you're probably not, not a hundred percent, but you're probably not going to get another shot. Now I, I know there's exceptions to that guys that have, killed a buck you know after seeing it multiple times but a lot of times that that first chance is the only chance or definitely the best chance yeah for sure so that's uh that's a big part of my advice but i mean you you covered a lot of the basics as far as you know finding really focusing on fresh sign don't just hunt a spot because you know it's been good in the past or because it looked good you know when you looked at it back in february or whatever the case you know make sure it's good now and the deer are using it. You know, if there's no tracks in there, no droppings, no sign of feeding or anything like that, then, you know, why waste your time there? They're obviously not using it. There will be sign if they're using it. So right. um, always focus on the sign. I would say, again, maybe obvious, but I'm going to be hunting, and, and this is throughout the season, but especially early season, I'm going to be hunting thick, you know, uh, especially before the, the acorns really get dropping, which again, even when they are, I'm still going to be thick, but right now these deer, you know, spend a lot of time in these thick areas with a lot of green vegetation that they're, they're feeding on. And uh, like I said earlier, they, they don't have to move very far. So if you can kind of get set up in their, their bedroom there without getting detected, um, you've got a shot, you know, you're in the game, but otherwise you're, you're probably not going to be in the game, especially you're, you're out in the middle of a, you know, wide open, um, wide open stand of oaks with no understory for, you know, 300 yards in any direction. Right. Yeah. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> um, again, I, I'll never say never, but uh, for most part, you're, you're not in the game. So stick to the thick stuff, look for the fresh sign and, and constantly be changing. You know, don't, even if the sign's there, you hunt it two or three times and nothing's going on. It, it's time to move. You know, obviously that sign's probably being made at night or it's a sign that was made uh, right before you started hunting it and it's no longer active. So, um, you know, don't get hung up on any one spot, but stay mobile, keep moving around, keep looking for the, the best sign you can find. And uh, that's really, I guess that's, that's kind of my advice. Yeah. I would say uh, not doing a shameless plug, but like what you were talking about being quiet, not making a bunch of noise. That's where our, our saddle setups come in so key because they're so lightweight 
everything is so compact. You you throw a backpack on your back with your pack and your stick strapped to it. I mean, you're essentially no noise. I mean, you just and it's real compact. It's right there on your shoulders. Whereas, you know, as you know, you throw a big climber on your back or a big lock on with sticks attached to it. You got metal hitting metal. You're catching half the tree branches that are, you know, below <laughs> below your head level. And they're they're making noise on your stand and pulling stuff. And, you know, or you, you look at some trees and you're like, well, I think I can make it through there. And then you go to go through them and your stand catches on the trees and, you know, it's banging around. And, you know, that's where. Having something like a saddle set up is just so key to being able to get in so quiet because you 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 got your stand, you're wearing your stand like a piece of clothing, and yeah. then you just you know you just slowly when you get to the tree take your sticks apart so they're not banging together, and then you go up the tree and you're set up, you know, and you're not hitting stuff as you're going in. You don't have a bunch of metal rattling around or nothing like that, you know. So not trying to do a shameless plug, but. I mean, it is key to being able to get getting quiet. I've been able to set up in perfect spots, you know, and made some stupid mistakes on my end um, when time came. But, you know, get in the perfect spot undetected, um, like, you know, going back to that deer, the same one that we've talked about, you know, I, I was able to set up on that deer within 70 yards of where he was bedded. Now, did I know he was bedded there? No. But when I saw where he came stood up and came from he was you know 70 yards away the whole time mm. and so it's like you know if i would have went in there with a climber or something like that would i been able to get set up so close and be quiet um it would have been tough well one there wasn't a tree in the area to even get in with a climber so um it would have never even been hunting there in the first place unless i hunted off the ground but you know and then i think another huge key factor this time of year is water um creek crossings or creeks, ponds, little watering holes. Um, I put a camera last year on a watering hole in the same persimmon thicket. Um, there's a big pond. And then in the persimmons, I found just this little hole in the ground with water in it. And I don't know if somebody dug it on purpose or if it naturally formed. I don't know. And it's not very big. It's probably a three by three square of water. And I put a camera on it and that thing was so hot with deer movement and hogs and everything else coming to that thing in September, you know, even with the big pond really close, um, you know, it's so they have options, but this is right in the middle of the thicket and it's simple to get to, you know, it's away from people, away from access. And, you know, they think it's a hundred degrees out. I mean, they have to be close to some source of water. Now they, they get water intake from, plants green green shrubbery and stuff that they eat they get some water intake from that but not nearly what they need i don't think um i could be wrong but you know so hunting close to some kind of water source whether it's a river creek lake pond watering hole whatever um i think can pay huge success this early in the season especially if you got thick cover and you know food close by you kind of got all the three perfects you know situation right there the the trifecta that you need um, and I think that can really pay off this early in the season as well. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, even if you're hunting an area that, like you said, it might might have creeks and and ponds and stuff scattered around, but if you can find that one watering hole, like you're talking about, that that has everything else going for it, you know, the the good cover, maybe some food nearby, or every, everything, to where that that buck, you know, just minimizes the amount he has to to travel. 
then yeah, that that can be an, an added bonus or definitely being attracted something to focus in on. So that's a, yeah, that's a good point. Because you yeah. tend to, I tend to think when when I used to hear people talk about water sources, I think, well, man, I you know, there's creeks everywhere here in Georgia. You know, there's plenty of places these deer ain't dying of thirst. But again, it's just where is that water source in in uh, in conjunction with everything else? Right, like you said, and if you can put all the pieces together, the water, the cover, the food, in close proximity, then yeah, you got you got the trifecta there, I guess. And definitely a good spot to look at. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to set up right on the water either. I mean, you can set up just in that general area on a hot trail coming to it. That's actually how I found the spot was. I noticed this trail was just beat down. And like I mentioned, there's a lot of hogs in the area. So, you know, I know you've seen it up, you know, where you mainly hunt. There's a good amount of hogs on that place. And, you know, you find a good hot trail. It could be hogs or pigs um, right. or, or hogs or deer. Hogs or me. deer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was just like, man, that thing is beat down, you know, and I noticed some deer tracks in it. And I had a camera pretty close by and I noticed the deer were coming from that way. So I was like, well, that deer got to be using it. And sure enough, that trail led right to that watering hole. Um, and actually the first time I hunted it, I had an encounter with a, a really nice buck. Um, now, but it was the, the trifecta. There was a ton of food in there, really thick and that watering hole. Um, and I was set up probably 60 yards from it. You know, I wasn't shooting to it, but I was on the trail where the trail ran past it. And then multiple trails came together on that same trail and, uh, set up right there on the point and here he come and I, I blew it, but you know, I ended up bumping him and he got out of there, but. Um, yeah, finding something like that this early in the season, especially like we were talking about with the food and the cover, yeah, it could be dynamite um, for multiple game. Maybe not just deer if you got pigs, you know, and you enjoy shooting pigs. I know we're strictly talking about deer here, but, you know, I, I always take a good stab at a pig. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so one comes in, I'm, right. I'll definitely shoot it. So, um, you know, it could could pay off for that or deer. But, you know, I think thinking you know, like you were saying, yeah, most of Georgia, like you were saying, you know, you can go to about any WMA in Georgia and find water. Um, I don't, I don't think we've been to one yet that doesn't have water on it. You know, no. uh, I mean, there's there's water everywhere, but finding the where they want to be on that water is key. You can't just say, okay, well, there's a there's a tree right there off the river. I'm just going to set up on it. And once again, if you're in, you ain't got no cover around you for three to 400 yards, chances are you're not, you know, like, like you said earlier, never going to say never, but the chances are pretty slim. Whereas if you find a, a good bend in the river, um, I think that's a good spot. You know, you find a kind of an oxbow in the river or creek or something that kind of funnels movement, that could be really good. Um, but if you got thick cover there as well, then yeah, you your chances are a lot higher of seeing deer coming to that, that water source and maybe get a drink before they go to their destination spot, whether that's an ag field or um, a food plot or a big oak flat, you know, that they're visiting uh, late in the day or at night, um, being able to cut them off before they head that way, I think is, that's a really good chance. But, you know, you don't know till you hunt it. Um, All these things that me and Brian are saying are tips and stuff that's worked for us in the past, but, you know, it's, it's not guaranteed. you, you can find the best spot in the world and hunt it five days in a row and never see a single deer. You know, it's just sometimes it, it folds out like that. But I think this early in the season, these 
these things we're talking about definitely can up your chances to have an encounter. And two, it depends what you're trying to shoot. You know, if you're trying to just shoot a doe, um, or if you're trying to kill a really big mature buck or a two-year-old or, you know, whatever you're trying to shoot, play some factors in this stuff too. Cause I know particularly me and Brian for the most, most cases we're hunting a mature buck. So these tips and tricks are kind of focused on that. Um, you know, but if you want to shoot a doe, um, you know, you may want to change things up a little bit, but these spots and these tips can definitely help you kill those too. I could have shot a plethora of those last year. <laughs> um, I just decided not to, but I could have shot those most days I went out, you know, so um, it definitely can pay off for that too. But these are more geared towards mature bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, I guess the, the last thing I would touch on on all this, if you're a trail camera user would be just a man to keep those cameras mobile keep them moving i mean there's there's nothing wrong there's times i guess i wish uh, in certain spots i'd leave it just leave a camera out the whole season and i might do that some but uh don't be afraid or you know well yeah don't be afraid but i, I would say keep most of them moving uh just that you know it's the only way you're you're going to really know when that that patterns when those patterns have changed um if you're on deer or whether you're, if you're not on deer, you know, keep those cameras moving around to different spots and, until you locate them, until you figure out what's going on. Now, uh, you know, do the other stuff we were talking about. Keep on scouting, find that hot sign. And then when you do, throw, you know, throw a camera up if you got one and, and you can see exactly what's going on. And just uh, what I like to do, you know, during the season is I'll hang a camera. And uh, if I find a good spot that, that looks good, I'll hang a camera. And the next time, you know, I'll check it when I go in to hunt it. I won't be in there, you know, every day trying to see what's going on. I'll just wait till I'm going to actually hunt the spot, check the camera, or, you know, I may check the camera before I climb in a tree. And if nothing's going on, I'll, I'll keep moving, you know, until I find better sign. But uh, just, just be flexible, I guess, what it really boils down to. Just don't get, don't get caught up on a spot um, so much so that, that, you know, you're going to sit there and continue to hunt it and, and not produce. Yeah, I will say with the camera thing too. Yeah, I completely agree with you being mobile. Now, in my case, on the these particular spots that I have cameras on right now, is I had cameras in there late last year, so I know about when the deer move into these areas, um, and nothing has changed in these areas. Everything's still the same, so I know that for the most part, the deer are going to do the same thing. Um, they're going to move to these areas, you know, unless somehow they get in flux with a bunch of pressure or something like that this year. But so I've actually got four in spots now that I will probably leave all season. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that is the reason I'm doing that is to try to catch that transition. Like you were talking about a little earlier this year. So I can make a, make a move a little earlier than I did last year. Um, Cause a little, I was a little behind when the deer had transitioned to these areas. And I think it ended up costing me a couple chances at some deer. So I'm leaving four on trails in spots that I know deer are using. And I'm just waiting for that transition time to happen. And then when the deer start showing up, I'm going to go in there and kill one. Um, I'm pretty confident, especially in one of the spots um, based off what I saw last year. I, I'm pretty confident it's going to be an area I will kill a buck out of this year. I've just got to catch it a little earlier than I did last year. You heard it here. He's, he's done called it. <laughs> that's that's to it now. <laughs> that's, that's the one spot I have 
that I'm the most confident in just based off what I, yeah. what I learned from last year. Um, and like I said, when I found the spot, there was massive rubs in there, but I was about from the age of the rubs like about two weeks too late. Um, and I still had bucks yeah. in there and I still had multiple in daylight, multiple I would shoot. Um, but they were, they were real sporadic cause it was during the middle of the rut. And I think if I could have caught that core buck that was living in there when he moved there, if I could have caught him right then, I could have killed him. But it, the, the movement was, like I said, real sporadic because they were doing a lot of searching and chasing uh, when I got in there. But the rubs were really big. And like I said, they were probably two weeks old. Yeah. So I, I think I just missed it. Well, man, that's, uh, well, I, I could talk deer strategy for, for <laughs> hours, but I think uh, that's a good, <laughs> that's probably a good stopping point for this one. Uh, like I said, we really just wanted to put something out to hopefully help some of you, maybe especially if you're maybe you're relatively new to deer hunting or relatively new to public land hunting. Uh, but even, if, you know, hopefully there's something there, even if you've been hunting for a little while that that may uh, may help you out, and, uh, maybe something something different to try this year and, and see if it can help you find more success. Hopefully so. That, that's the goal with these things, man. We're not certainly not up here as any kind of uh, expert. On, on killing big mature bucks but uh you know just just try to share from really from my mistakes you know just try to keep some of you guys from making the same mistakes i made for for way too long years and, yeah. yeah and then in some cases just sharing stuff you know that we've learned from guys who are a lot more successful than we are you know being able to talk to them on this podcast and so uh that, that's the thing don't don't ever you know think that i'm <laughs> i'm uh out here trying to trying to uh, promote myself as any kind of any kind of deer hunting expert but just trying to yeah. like I said share what I know a little bit of what I know right yep same here yeah definitely no expert by any means as I mean I didn't even kill a buck last year so <laughs> <laughs> definitely no expert no but, but you're definitely you're definitely on some for sure I mean, yeah I had my toads. chances so and uh man I'm ready um I mean I'm ready to start the grind um you know, I, d- I got friends, they get burned out by November, man, and I'm still rolling. I'm I'm rolling all the way <laughs> through the season, you know, till the end of it. Um, I, I love this time of year. It's something that I, I've been doing since I was four or five years old. And, you know, I just I can't get enough. And uh, it's, it's going to fly by. I know that. <laughs> it's starting yeah, this yeah, weekend. The next thing, yeah. next thing we'll know, we'll be like, that gum, it's. You know, this is it. Yeah, Yeah. Oh, that's for sure. It always goes way too fast. And, uh, and yeah, I get, I don't know if anybody else is like me, but I'm, I kind of get caught up with the, this opening, opening weekend or, you know, right at the beginning, just, you know, all this effort that you put in during the off season and and you want to capitalize right away, but it's a long game. You know, it's, it's definitely a, uh, it's not a sprint. You know, it, it's a it's a marathon. We got what four, basically four months to get it done. So don't don't get too caught up. And uh, if you don't go out opening weekend or the the first few weeks of the month uh, or the first few weeks of the season, you know, if you don't kill one right off the bat, don't definitely don't get discouraged. Don't get burned out. Man, it's a, we got a long season ahead of us. So that's right. Uh, you'll you'll make it happen. Just stick with it. Yep. So. I guess before we finish this thing up, I know every week we like to read off uh, our ratings and reviews, and we had another great review come in here um, this week, and this one comes from Aaron Higginbotham. It says, a must listen for any Georgia hunter. It's a five-star 
rating and it says hands down the most informative, all encompassing podcast for all things hunting in Georgia. Brian and Robert are knowledgeable, humble, and make a great combination. I've learned a lot in a short amount of time from them, along with the wide variety of guests. I appreciate you guys immensely. Keep up the good work. So Aaron, we greatly appreciate the rating and review and glad you enjoyed the show and glad you're learning some stuff um, from myself and Brian and our guest, um, mainly our guest, but you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad, glad you're picking yeah. up some stuff from us as well. That's helping you. And um, I hope that, that, you know, some of this will lead to success here as you know, the season opens here in three days um, at the, yeah, I guess, yeah, three days from now as we're recording this. So um, I hope, you know, maybe you can put some of this early season stuff to work and and be able to capitalize on it. And hey, with that, too, um, for anybody that goes out all season, but um, especially here, you know, the first few weeks, but this goes for the whole season, like I just stated. And you use any of the tips and tricks that we've talked about or anything our guests have talked about and you have success, please share your success success photos with us, whether that be through email or our social media accounts. We'd love to see those success stories and we would love to share those on our social media pages. So please send those to us um, as the season's getting ready to kick off here because we'd love to see that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that's 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 a great review. We definitely appreciate that. And uh, yeah, we'd like we'd like more. Leave us leave us a uh, five star rating. Leave us a written review. Hey, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That would we'd really appreciate that. We're we're inching closer and closer to that thousand subscriber mark there. So, if you haven't already, and you have a a YouTube account or a Google account, man, we would appreciate it. Head over to to Georgia or to YouTube, search Georgia Field. Won't have any f- problem finding us and hit that subscribe button. But yeah, because with that, before you close it out, um, me and Brian were talking the other day. We're gonna try this season our best to put out you know at at least a a video of some kind you know from each week that we get out and hunt you know obviously not every week is going to be a kill you know a killing story of us shooting a (laughs) spectacular buck or something like that but (laughs) we're going to try to put something out so y'all can follow along with our season the good the bad and the ugly and uh follow along with our season and see how things are going so um, yeah, definitely make sure you go to our YouTube page and hit that subscribe button. Make sure you got notifications so that way you know when when we release those new videos. But we were talking about that um, just here a couple of days ago that we're really going to try to crank out the content for y'all this fall and winter so y'all can follow along with us and see how, see how our season goes. Yep, absolutely. And guys, with that, uh, heck, this was going to be about a short 30-minute podcast, but <laughs> Turned still into went a quick an hour. hour. <laughs> <laughs> But guys, we appreciate all those. If you're still hanging with us at this point, uh, yeah, you're hardcore. We appreciate you. And with that, guys, hey, as always, hunt safe, shoot straight. But most importantly, hey, just, just enjoy your time out there in God's great outdoors. And we'll see you next week.